Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast, the weekly podcast series brought to you by FT Advisor. Each week we are joined by guests from the financial advice space to discuss some of the hot topics in the industry at the time. Over the past year, we've seen inflation hit all-time records, most recently hitting its highest level since March 1992. As the cost of living continues to rise, the rate of inflation hit 5.5% in the 12 months to January. Increasing prices for clothing and footwear pushed the rate up, an area of the economy that normally sees prices fall in January due to sales. Given this backdrop, in today's podcast, we'll be talking about financial planning at a time of inflation and how to tackle this. I'm Sonia Rach, Senior Reporter at FT Advisor, and joining me today is Justin King, Chartered Financial Planner at MFP Wealth Management, Philip Martin, Managing Director at Unique Financial Planning, and Christian Tomaszewski, Financial Planner at Timothy James and Partners. Hi, all. Hello. How are you doing? Good, good, thank you. So I'll get kind of cracking into some of the questions that we we kind of have here. So maybe I'll start with you first, um, Justin. So given, I guess, the inflation figures at the moment, I suppose it would be kind of helpful to discuss some of the challenges that you're kind of facing. You know, what, if anything, do advisors have to do differently as rates and inflation both rise? Well, I mean, there's a bit of recency bias going on with these numbers that are being quoted. If we look at the long term average inflation rate in the UK, it's actually north of 5%. So it's not actually that different to what we've seen. If, even if you just go, you said 92, if you just go back a couple of years, you see north of 9% at that time. So, so again, there is a, a recency kind of thing going on and, and a bit of data mining of actually saying that we're in crazy inflation numbers. If you go back to the early 70s, crisis three day weeks we hit inflation at 20 percent so a proper planner will have been already been thinking about this and when they're doing their cash flow modeling and their retirement planning or whatever they're actually doing for the client will be probably factoring in a much higher rate than maybe the one or two percent that we've seen in recent times sure yeah i mean i guess that's kind of an argument that i've i've kind of had previously but but you you sort of this scare of inflation is at an all-time high it's at an all-time high and, and we keep kind of hearing this I mean what are your thoughts on this Philip uh, do you kind of agree with Justin or or does it differ oh well I definitely agree with him on that from a statistical basis I mean I'm very old so so I, I, I remember when inflation was was absolutely um, miles miles ahead of of the Bank of England's current um, um, target at, at, at just over two percent. So, so absolutely, if you look over a far longer period, we are used to higher inflation. I mean, I guess this takes us really into the space of what planning is is done and how is it being done. And in cash flow modelling, it would be perfectly normal for financial advisors to be modelling a number of different scenarios in any event, so that people can understand the impact of changes to the, the parameters that underpin the basis upon which those numbers are calculated. I guess the other observation to make is that we don't yet know yet how inflation, if it is to be here for a, a, a medium-term period, say, is going to feed through into investment returns because what really matters is actually the net return in accumulation rather than the absolute level of inflation or the absolute level of, of the return. And you could be in a position where the gap between the two, and therefore the net real return, is broadly stable across the period. We don't yet know that, of course. Sure. And, and what about you, Christian? What are your thoughts on this? 
Well, I'm I'm slightly younger than Philip. I'm only 31. And so I'm part of that whole generation who don't even know what interest rates are or what inflation <laughs> is. And they've got used to having a five-year fixed mortgage for something starting with a one. In fact, I just did a 10-year fixed mortgage with Coots for 2.5%. And so in terms of interest rates, there is a whole generation who are going to be particularly shocked at when suddenly their mortgage rates go to three, four percent. And uh, they've committed to a long-term plan of low interest rates and low inflation. Um, in terms of inflation, um, I don't feel that clients have truly felt the true effect of it. And it's merely just a, a narrative and a, a amongst the finance community. I don't think real cost of living is yet to hit hit the clients and hit hit uh, the people who are who are most affected so i think when people remortgage when people um suddenly get their energy uh second quarter bill through or first quarter bill um that's when i think panic may start to uh, resonate sure and i guess if when when it kind of does kind of come to light and and a lot of these clients start to to face the effects if i stay with you christian on this um what clients do you think are i guess are particularly at risk of this so generally with inflation, you're worried about the income you're generating and whether that can facilitate your lifestyle. So I would say not just now, but probably over the last 10 years, the elder generation have struggled in creating an income which is aligned with their risk profile. Generally, as a financial planner, our job is to assess somebody's risk. Um, and if you're older, maybe retired, and reliant solely on the pot of money you have to create an income, and you're lower risk, then creating an income aligned with that risk has been difficult, especially with zero interest rates, pretty much. That means yields on bonds are particularly low. And it means the general lower risk investor have had to be pushed up the risk curve to perhaps rely on dividends for income, or just capital growth for income rather than the old school fixed interest or government bonds or corporate bonds, whatever you like to call them. And and what are your thoughts on that, Philip? I guess, do you, do you kind of have a different client base and, and who do you think is most um, well, well, um, well, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't know Christian and Justin's businesses ter terribly well, but, but our business would be much more mass affluent to up to um, affluent, and I think you know the affluent in general will end up taking care of themselves, and their you know their net disposable incomes will be squeezed, but not to the detriment of them being able to save to the level that they want to. Now we always had a situation where the savings gap, which had reduced over COVID, may now start to widen out again as people start to consider what is necessary and unnecessary spend. And actually, it's, it's quite anecdotal, but but we already see a squeeze on what people see as non-essential. I'm seeing office and protection, for example. We would all, on this in this conversation, regard people being adequately protected as a very, very essential spend, but it's quite interesting that it that it tends to be one of the first things to go in these in these situations. But I think the danger is you, you can get into something that's very circular here because if people's net disposable incomes and therefore their ability to save is squeezed, then they won't and they won't do it early enough and therefore they will continue to be more underfunded than they were underfunded before. And so you've got a great swathe of a you know, problem part of the, of the population whose situation is just going to get worse. But, but in the end, it's going to be quite difficult for, for people to try and get 
get greater saving if it's a choice between putting petrol in the car, food on the table, or whatever sort of basic luxuries you want to try and access. So it is going to be a problem, I think, as as the year unwinds. And, and I think you're right, Christian, the flashpoint is going to be that, that bill hitting. Everyone's expecting it to be when that bill hits in late April and May. Yeah, and I guess it's going to have a knock-on effect on a lot of kind of other factors that 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 play a part. Um, Justin, did you kind of had a, have anything you wanted to add to that or, or say? <clears throat> well, uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, the, the, remember, if you've got a lot of debt, inflation's your friend. Um, it's going to be eroding away the value of it. Now, of course, you've got you've got a cash flow issue because often inflation is then followed by higher interest rates. And if you're not on a wonderful fixed rate that Christians put you on with coots at two and a half percent for 10 years, then you may have an issue. But of course, what we really got to happen have happen here is if you've got rising expenditure and you you need rising income to meet that expenditure and to meet that savings need. Now, if you're in a position where you can charge more for what you do, provide more value and there's a lot of talk all the time, isn't there, about um, how we can reduce costs and how we can shift things all the time. I, I do think we need to turn inwardly and go, OK, how can I provide more value and get paid more? What is it that I need? What is it the marketplace needs? Low in unemployment at the moment. You can charge quite a lot for your services. So therefore, is that the right answer to factor in the higher inflation? For my retired clients, who that's who I only work with, we just do retirement planning, people in retirement planning. And we've got a few clients who are approaching it, but really that's where our majority of our work is done. We have had, for the last 10 years since I started this business, we've had everyone in global equities. Everybody in global equities, because I've sold them the global equity story. They're satting on 10 years of massive returns. So if we have some periods of some negative returns now, which aren't, don't beat inflation, we're not worried because we're just so ahead of the curve. We're in a very fortunate position because those are the clients that we work with. That's what we specialize in and that's what we've managed to do for them. There is a whole other amount of people who financial planners serve and, and they've got whole different challenges from the retired market that, 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 that I look after. I guess sure, it, dis- it dis- sorry. I guess it, it disillusions younger investors. I don't look after many younger people, and if I do, they're more self-employed in the media sector, being aspiring scriptwriters or actors, whoever it may be. But if if you're a new investor over the last few years and you've invested in standard regulated investments, and you've experienced the last six months, I guess you can become quite disillusioned, especially when you read in the papers about over the last 10 years about global equities, about cryptocurrencies, about alternative investments that have provided such a great return and you've entered the market and you get hit by a 10% drop or whatever it may be in your first experience of stock markets, that is uh, problematic for that type of clientele. Yeah, and it might even be worth even considering. I mean, I think the natural reaction when when you get inflation in the country at any point in the last 20 years is that steps would be taken to try and reduce it because that was the political imperative you know from 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 times before but but if you're sitting in the treasury just now you quite fancy a city long-term bout of inflation to your point justin to try and uh, inflate away the sovereign debt so it's not even clear to me that there will be the same political imperative to drive it down in the short term that there may have been in the last 10 or 15 years so this may be a phenomenon we have to live with for considerably longer than people expect and perhaps with short-term inflation, it forces their hand to increase interest rates slightly quicker. Yeah, and yeah. if we can't increase rates in an environment we are now with unemployment so low and following 10 years of low interest rates, if we can't rise them, raise them now, 
then when can we raise them? I'd argue that we haven't, very, on that point, Christian, I'd argue that actually they haven't moved quick enough. They should have moved much faster than this. Um, but, but, and I think the Fed fed the same thing. I mean, widening the conversation out, Sonia, it does seem to me, I mean, there's, there's a whole load of nonsense talked or pretty much continuously about the general value that's delivered by advice being given on a continuous basis to clients and what should be an entirely transactional activity. Well, if anyone believes that there isn't any value being added by people seeing clients on a regular basis just now to fine-tune plans and to make changes and to give reconsideration, then I think they're missing the, you know, they're missing the point. I think when we've lived through benign times of you know, strong returns and low inflation. It's been quite easy to bash an ongoing relationship between an advisor and a client. It's not going to be found wanting over the next couple of years, I suspect. People will be glad of it and the reassurance that it can provide. Genuinely believe that. And But then I guess when, with that kind of conversation carrying on and, and how you're sort of servicing clients and, um, you know, the ongoing, have you kind of found... Um, or do you think, I guess, going forward even, that you will have to handle clients differently, um, given, you know, there will be a lot of clients probably coming to you um, and saying, you know, inflation is is high or I'm reading this in the papers and, and this is what I'm what I'm kind of gathering from this. Do you feel like you'll have to deal with them or handle them uh, a little bit differently? Um well, maybe in some regards, but I mean, for, for, a, for a reasonable proportion of my client base, they're underfunded and they're always going to be underfunded. So whether they can find £300 a month or can now only find 250 it's still going to start to make a material difference to their level of underfunding. It's just it's sort of shades of badness, really, isn't it? So, so on one level, I don't think it will really fundamentally change. I've always got, we always have clients in our business that are not in that situation, very fortunately, but, but for people that, that we would be looking after in their 30s and the 40s that would be this that would be the situation so on one level i think we'll have to i think to christian's point actually i think we probably will have to do an awful lot more in terms of educating that segment of the client base around what this actually means because they've no real empirical evidence of it in their own lives you know they've not ever had to deal with it or really or really understand what its implication might be so there'll be quite a lot of hand-holding and education i think but beyond that, I think the basic problem will remain the same. You know, great swathes of the population are underfunded for the income they would like to have in retirement relative to the risk they're prepared to take to either get there or or decumulate when they are there. I think Philip's correct in terms of the uh, the value of advice is rather cyclical or the value people put on advice. And when volatility hits the markets... I think people value advice more. One, because it's more newsworthy, so they're more aware of what's going on, whether it's Putin lying, um, lining up 100,000 troops outside Ukraine or inflation or interest rates. And then the DIYers who potentially don't value advice suddenly seek advice because maybe the uh, trends of the last 10 years haven't continued and they've questioned whether it is as easy or as simple that it may have seemed when markets are only going one way. I think um, there's a number of levers that people can pull with their financial planning. And one of them, of course, is how much you contribute. And the second is, or the second major factor is, um, what risk appetite do you have? And I've already always sat with people and gone, right, if we've got a long-term investor, 
Now, remember, a 30-year-old is a long-term investor for retirement planning. That's a lot of the work that people do. So we've got to get them into the risk appetite, not what the risk assessment tells them, but the risk appetite they need to be taking. That's the education piece right at the beginning. And then even a 62-year-old who, let's say it's a couple, and they retire for 30 years, and inflation's 3%. If they need £100 to go to Sainsbury's at the moment, they need £240 to go to Sainsbury at 3% in 30 years' time. So what asset, what asset has always provided that level of return over a 30-year period, over a 20-year period? And in fact, over most 10- and 15-year periods, and in fact, over five-year periods, 85% of all returns have always produced a better return than inflation. And it's been equities. It's been global equities. This is not new news, but it is news that, that they, they, they are surprised by. It is our place to move them into the risk appetite they need to take to get the, to get, to get the retirement or the financial plan that they desire. I completely agree with that. I think um, the formulaic approach to measuring somebody's attitude to risk is about 40% of the job, isn't it? It's it's not what, what risk appetite you are, it's what you can afford to be commensurate with your needs. The third lever is to cut your cloth accordingly, actually, Justin, isn't it? It's, you know, stick stick with the other two and expect to get less. You know, and, and there's only, you can only play yeah. about with those three factors, so you tell me which way it's, which way it's going to be, and I think... Um, that's very hard to do unless you've got somebody who genuinely understands it and has a way of explaining how those levers interact with each other over the over the long term. I completely agree with that. But I guess it's 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 kind of you know just to play play devil's advocate here and kind of widen out the picture. I mean, it's 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 all well and good, I guess, saying to that the value of advice is so important, which it is, and you know, young people need that education aspect because they're not aware of what the effects of this are. But it kind of also plays on the fact that you know there there is this kind of um, bracket of people that you know don't have enough money to go to an advisor they they can't access an advisor and and what's the impact for them because their form of education will come from you know inflation is at a 30-year high you know it's been the been the worst as it has been in 30 years and that's that's it's for those people that I guess the financial planning and the value of it is going to be key but but you know how do we tackle that as an industry what you know what are your thoughts on that I often think that there are an awful lot of people who can't afford financial planning advice. And I get that. I understand that. And there is an awful lot available now by getting onto YouTube. I have a channel, you know, listen to my podcast, listens, start some education in this. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there. Go and invest some time reading some books, not reading lots of stuff on the Internet, talking about Bitcoin and this and that, everything else. Just go and work out what's always worked. What has always worked? You know, read Bogle's book on successful investing. You know, for the simple regular guy, he's got to understand some products. You know, he's also rolled pension scheme and is uh, an, an her and her, of course, uh, ISAs, licenses, etc. Understand these financial products. They, they're not beyond most people to understand. They're really not. An, an hour or two invested with your time invested learning about those products and learning about passive investing from, from Vanguard and those types of things. It's all available to you and it would serve you darn, darn well. And eventually you may get to more complex needs when you need to come and see one of us. And, and it's a bit more challenging because there's a lot more going on. But really, for, for most people that we're talking about, um, it, a, a few hours invested rather than paying an advisor, a few hours invested in learning some skills. It's got to be commended. Uh, did either of you, uh, uh, Philip or Christian, want to add anything to that? Well, I, I would uh, 
agree with Justin. I uh, I think there seems to be a sway towards or there must be a free advice provided for the population, which is potentially a hard argument for me to agree with, I think. Um, but I agree, it's some sort of self-learning and some self-understanding of what's happening out there, especially now with auto-enrollment, when naturally they have a pension scheme that they will be invested in funds, and without even trying, they'll be able to follow the performance of those funds that are in their pension scheme. And with the emergence of Moneybox and all of the other uh, phone applications or apps that you can use to invest money in this low-level basis, I think that's where everyone should start. And most of my clients who are 50 and 60, they didn't start as a 25-year-old with a few hundred thousand pounds. I've got some clients who are now 50 sitting on ice is worth a quarter of a million quid where they started with 50 pounds a month or 100 pounds a month. Yeah, yeah and I guess that's key. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, I, I, this drives me bonkers, really. I mean, we've been having this debate for God knows how long, and, and it's very easy for policymakers and politicians and a regulator to say that the sector needs to do more, but it doesn't. I mean, obviously, loads in the sector do loads of really good quality pro bono work, and I commend them for that. But it's not our problem to solve. You know, I've lived through something called pension simplification that ended up making it more complex than before they started. So, you know, if, if you genuinely tackled some of those issues and, and took away some of the barriers and the complexities, you might start to open access up. But fundamentally, it's, it's, it's not for a policymaker to tell me how to spend my capital and under who to spend it. You know, it's just, it's not my problem to solve. We're in a bit of a sweet spot, obviously. There's a massive shortage, you know, and it's a big population and it's a complex world. But, but I just like to do that by trying to increase our capacity of advisors. And I would rather spend my capital on bringing new, younger advisors into the sector to help it to continue to flourish further further down the line. But we never, ever seem to get out of that constant circular argument of how are we going to provide advice to 67 million people? And we're just not. I mean, I'm never going to see it. I won't, I won't live long enough. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a fair point, I think. And I think that's why I guess a lot of these, especially these larger firms um, in the industry are kind of running academies and, and things like that to get advisors in because they've got the finances to support people throughout so that maybe at some point there will be the opportunity to take on clients with you know less kind of money or kind of being a better in a better place um I, I think we're, we're almost running out of time so I guess I'll just maybe go around the room and see if you have anything to add on in terms of how I guess if inflation continues to stay as it is or get progressively higher what do you think uh, advisors or well, what are you going to be doing um, in order to kind of tackle your clients and, and, and deal with them? Is there anything you will be doing or, or will you be staying the same? So maybe if I go with you, Christian, first. I think you need to reset the plan and become realistic if inflation continues to be at this level for a period of time. I think if you look at 10-year yields compared to two-year yields, I think the longer-term inflation expectation isn't this high. Also, previously... The reasons behind inflation have not been what they are now from the supply side. So whether it's energy prices or lack of HGV drivers like it was in last October, November. So if it, this continues for longer term, it's starting the plan again, starting the regular expenditure, doing the regular expenditure again, understanding exactly where and how people's expenses have increased, and then maybe slightly changing the, the plan or in the or the investment style or whatever it may be but I think each client is 
particularly individual in what their objectives are and their risk profile. And uh, it's interesting when you're talking about risk and wanting to go into global equities over the longer term, I totally agree. But over the last six months, what you learn from your clients is not their financial tolerance for loss, but their emotional tolerance. And it's interesting, you really get to know your clients really well when markets go down from the ones who call you up nervous and the ones who understand how markets work. And it's quite an interesting validation of how you've judged that client's risk and whether you've done it correctly or not, depending on their emotional reaction, even if it's well within their financial tolerance. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine, especially during the pandemic, you probably received quite a fair few calls from from clients, in you know, panicked and, and unaware of of what to do. I think that was kind of an overarching theme. Um, what What about you, Justin? Anything to add to that? Well, I didn't. I haven't received any calls. I didn't receive any in the pandemic, and I would say it's because I've run the lifeboat drill again and again and again. Every meeting, every annual meeting with them, you realise this portfolio has a downside of this. You realise the long term return is that you expect. But also, we're proper financial planners, so if I, I don't, my clients don't need to pull on a, a portfolio that is declined. They don't. They they have a cash reserve. We have five years worth of cash reserves, so, so so they can. We know that eighty five percent of all five year. Uh, equity global equity portfolios have been positive so we have five years worth of cash they don't need to get at it they, they, they just accept it they can sit there and go oh yeah just in time with this would happen no problem so so i've already done the work we'll continue to do the work um but but there's nothing new happening we've just got to do the job properly yeah i mean the, the only thing i would add to that you know in conclusion we're dealing with a different a different segment but as an industry we handle all of this terribly don't we i mean every single thing every plan we're putting in place is for the medium to long term yet the moment the backside falls out the footsie every asset manager is rushing to produce a two-page document to explain what happened yesterday and by the time you've put it out the market's bounced back and that's exactly what happened two weeks ago and we have got to stop reacting to short-term moves in markets that over the medium to long term all empirical evidence shows will eventually smooth themselves out and that's not just our job that's the people on whom we draw that sort of information and a, and a wider media's job that would be one plea i would make i've, I've kind of got a ban on putting that stuff out <laughs> um yeah no i can kind of see where you're coming from and i guess it's uh it's it's all about i guess informing as as justin said you know making sure that your clients are aware of the situation and and it comes back ties back to kind of some of the conversation we were having earlier about the education and and just making sure that your clients are aware of what the situation is and rather than having a bit of a panic mm-hmm. um so yeah i think that's been quite an interesting conversation lots of different views there and and one that's very fitting for sure um but unfortunately we're running out of time now so just wanted to thank you all for your time um you know coming on to discuss this topic and uh stay tuned for the next one when it, for ft advisors podcast